Now on Netflix, inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman, comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Hometown Ghost Stories contains serious and often distressing events and is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. This week on Hometown Ghost Stories, sitting beneath the city of Portland is a system of 150-year-old tunnels with a nefarious and dark history. Above ground are several locations that are believed to be extremely haunted, including the White Eagle Saloon and Cathedral Park. Join us for a dive into the haunted history of Portland, Oregon. as he rolled over and grabbed at his incredibly sore head. Everything was pitch black, and his eyes were having a hard time adjusting to see anything. He couldn't even see if the aching spot on the back of his head was bleeding. He could feel liquid, but the entire ground around him was partially wet and sticky as well. Shit, only 2% battery left, he said into the darkness. He quickly turned on the light, hoping to figure out where he was. As he spun around in the area, he realized he was in some sort of a tunnel. How the hell did I get here? He muttered to himself out loud. Internally, he started wondering how he was going to get out. There was no indication of which way to go, so he just started walking. As he moved through the cold tunnel, he tried to think back on what happened. He left the bar after a few drinks and walked down the alley he took as a shortcut, and from there... All he remembers is waking up on the dank, sticky ground of this underground monstrosity. As he was trying to put the pieces together, he thought he heard a scratch on the walls. He spun around quickly, but nothing was there. Without hesitation, he turned back and picked up his pace, hoping to find a door or any sign of a way out. A few moments later, he heard the same thing. A scratch on the wall behind him. This time... It was faster, but still nothing there. At this point, before he was able to start moving again, his phone died. Shit, Cody yelled, as it echoed down through what seemed to be an endless tunnel. As he stood there, alone in the dark, the graze of a cold finger stroked the back of his neck. Cody took off running into the black void. Every few steps, he could hear a scratching on the wall behind him, getting closer and closer. Just then, he saw a bit of light creeping through a cracked door at the end of the tunnel, but something hit him on the back of the head, dropping him in a heap. 
Everything was blurry again, and this time he could feel the blood trickling out from the back of his skull. He felt someone grab his leg and start dragging him. He looked up and saw the figure of a man that he could see directly through, dragging him away from the safety of light. As Cody began to slip out of consciousness, he heard the man say over and over again, He'll do. He'll do just fine. He'll do. He'll do just fine. I'm Jesse Wilkins, and this is Hometown Ghost Stories, Portland, Oregon. is one of the oldest cities in the United States, being settled in the 1830s and incorporated in 1851. The name Portland was chosen for the community by a coin toss. Francis Pettigrove, who owned half of the land at the time, was from Portland, Maine, and won the coin toss, naming the land after his hometown. Trading along the Willamette River provided food and supply transportation, resulting in a booming population. Portland's economy was buzzing, but the state of the city was very much underdeveloped and resembled more of a frontier village. Poor drainage left the roads and sidewalks as a muddy mess of sludge and sewage. During the 1850s, Portland, Oregon was described as a stump town or mud town. In 1873, a massive fire ripped through downtown, destroying 20 blocks along the west side of the city and causing over a million dollars in damage. In 1889, The city was deemed, quote, the most filthy city in the northern states by the Oregonian, with the West Shore reporting that, quote, the sidewalks put down this year are a disgrace to the Russian village. Eventually, a direct railroad was constructed between Portland and Seattle, and things began to turn around. In 1905, the World's Fair was hosted in Portland, which increased recognition of the city and eventually doubling its population to over 200,000 by 1910. During World War II, Portland's economy and population boomed as Congress spent over $2 billion on expanding the Bonneville Power Administration due to the need to produce material for Great Britain's war efforts as well as to meet the needs of the U.S. home front and the rapidly expanding Navy. Lying beneath downtown Portland is a series of 150-year-old tunnels that connect the basements of some of the oldest buildings to the Willamette River. The tunnels were originally dug to transport cargo to the inner city so the ship's crew could avoid traffic from the busy city above. It wasn't long before the tunnels served a more nefarious purpose. Portland had a large and busy port, and ships were constantly coming and going. Many of these ships sailed for months at a time, sailing across the Pacific Ocean before returning to Portland. When the ships were docked, the crew of these ships had a short window of time to head into the city and enjoy their freedom before the captains expect them back on the boats for another run. The sailors spent their times in saloons and downtown brothels. Many of these sailors would either abandon their crew, return to their families, or just up and vanish. This left many captains with depleted crews, and they were desperate to rapidly fill these vacant positions. It wasn't easy for captains to find new people to sign up for these jobs, since the pay wasn't great and the work was miserable. Not to mention, you'd have to leave your life behind for months at a time. Some of the more crooked captains hired help to hire help. The process of shanghaiing unknown victims was covered in our episode on Savannah, Georgia, 
but Portland's system was much different and the tunnels were already in place. It was almost inevitable. Captains hired local gangsters to prowl the taverns and saloons in Portland looking for young, able-bodied men who were alone. They would observe their target and either wait until he was drunk enough or speed up the process by buying them drinks or drugging them. Many times, they would work with women who would flirt with these men, taking their guard down. They would lure them outside, knock them out, and drag them through the tunnels to the docks. The going rate was $50 of blood money per victim. One moment you're having a drink at the bar, and the next thing you know, you wake up on a ship with a brand new career that you most likely weren't looking for. Some men escaped or overpowered their kidnappers, and word began to spread around Portland about these Shanghaiers. Sailors began to proceed with caution, and it started to get more difficult to kidnap men. So the Shanghaiers started kidnapping women instead, starting a massive, literal, underground prostitution ring. Makeshift jail cells were built underneath taverns, and gangsters worked with shady bar owners to construct trap doors from the dark corners of these businesses. Victims would be dropped through the floor of these taverns and brothels into a cell below where they were either forced into prostitution rings or smuggled to awaiting ships. The tunnels were also used to smuggle drugs and immigrants in and out of the city. During Prohibition, the tunnels would effectively serve a new and more lucrative purpose of moving alcohol into the downtown bars, easily using their trap doors to get booze quickly in or out. Gangsters and tavern owners had already been using the underground system for years, so they were one of the more efficient and elusive cities in the country. It's estimated that between 2,000 and 3,000 people a year were shanghaied through these underground tunnels. Many never made it out alive. People were tortured, starved, beaten, and left for dead inside of these tunnels. With over 100 years of pain, suffering, and death, predictably, a dark presence still lurks within these tunnels. Many visitors can't shake the feeling that they're being watched while inside these tunnels. Not by one unseen entity, but by many. The sound of a child whistling echoes through these Shanghai tunnels. One man heard these whistles. The whistling got louder and louder. And then suddenly, a force struck him from behind, knocking him to the ground. He quickly scrambled to his feet, shining his flashlight around. But there was no one. He never entered the tunnels again. The ghost of what's been said to be an Asian man has been seen so often that investigators have given him the name Sam. Sam wanders the dark tunnels aimlessly and doesn't seem to care who's around. He just walks and walks. He's been known to shut off lights in bar basements. He also moves things around in the tunnels as people get closer to him. He got his name when a tour guide heard a disembodied voice calling out, Sam, 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 over and over again. His entire group heard this ghostly voice, and many were too frightened to continue the tour. Other ghosts in the tunnel have been known to tug at your clothing. It leaves explorers to wonder, is this a playful tug or a desperate soul trying to get help from a stranger? Visitors to the tunnel have been scratched, shoved, and bitten by unseen entities. Full-bodied apparitions have been captured on cameras, and they do not look friendly. In the opium den, shadow figures and apparitions have been seen walking through the hallways and dashing around corners, as well as the full-bodied apparition of a blonde woman whose psychics claim is the soul of a woman who was murdered in the area. 
the White Eagle Saloon. The White Eagle Saloon, located at 836 North Russell Street in Portland, is a two-story building dating back to 1905. Originally named the B. Sobolewski & Company Saloon, the name was eventually changed by the owners to the White Eagle after the symbol on the Polish flag. The saloon became incredibly popular among sailors and industrial workers in Portland. They would compete with other bars in the area by offering free lunches to local workers. This practice was banned by the city in 1913, but by then, the business was already thriving. In order to keep up with the competition, it's rumored that the owners began running underground gambling and prostitution inside the establishment. They added the upstairs area and more room to the back of the building, which only fueled these rumors. They also installed a large vault door in the basement, which led to the Shanghai tunnels. It's believed that alcohol and women were transported through these tunnels, and rumors also began to swirl that lonely sailors were also Shanghai'd from the White Eagle. After Prohibition ended, the business would change its name a few times until being changed back to the White Eagle in 1949. One of the employees at the saloon was a man named Sam, who many say had been adopted by one of the owners at an early age. Sam worked and lived at the White Eagle until his death in 1930. After his body was removed from the building, the owners locked the door and left the room as is for years. Chuck Hughes, the current owner of the tavern, believes that Sam's ghost still lurks inside the saloon. Hughes claimed that after he bought the building, he unlocked the door and tried to leave it open. But after a few days, the door would shut and lock itself. He thought nothing of it at first, until he started paying attention. Sam's ghost seemed to like his privacy. Employees at the White Eagle believe that Sam's ghost is responsible for playing tricks on them. They believe that he is the spirit who haunts the bathroom, frequently flushing not one, but two of the toilets. Hughes also believes that Sam's ghost has nudged him awake on a few late nights where he had drifted off to sleep. He feels someone nudging him after he drifts off, only to wake and find nobody there. While working late in the basement when he was supposed to be alone, Chuck claims that he will sometimes hear footsteps in conversations above him from the bar area sometimes even calling him by name down the stairs. On one occasion, on the second floor, he heard the sound of a woman crying. As he made his way down the hall, the crying got louder. Then it stopped. He checked all of the rooms to try to find the source, but all of the rooms were empty. As he shook it off and made his way back down the hallway, the crying started again. Frightened, he ran downstairs and out of the building. As he looked up at the second story, he saw the ghostly apparition of a woman staring down at him. As he moved his way to the back of the building, from window to window, the figure of the woman followed him and then stopped once he got to the back. As he stared at her, she slowly vanished. He was noticeably shaken from this experience and he refused to go upstairs for nearly a year. Legend has it, a woman named Rose worked at the White Eagle for years in the brothel. Rose fell in love with a sailor who was a married man. While the sailor was off on a voyage, Rose was murdered by another customer. Today, the ghost of Rose is said to haunt the second floor of the White Eagle. The ghost that Chuck heard that night inside the saloon may have been the crying ghost of Rose. Over the years, there has been so much paranormal activity at the White Eagle that Hughes says he could fill a book, and one day, maybe he will. Most of these hauntings have been harmless, 
but not all of them. One night, while a waitress was making her way down the stairs to the basement to close up, something shoved her down the stairs. As she began screaming, the bartender and doorman rushed over. Just then, a bucket was hurled at the two men by an unseen force. All three of these employees were rattled by the sudden poltergeist-like activity, and the waitress never returned to the building. The Screaming Girl of Cathedral Park August 5th, 1949 15-year-old Thelma Taylor was waiting for a bus in the St. John's neighborhood in northern Portland. She was hoping to land a summer job in the nearby town of Hillsborough. While she was waiting for the bus, a 22-year-old drifter, an ex-convict named Morris Leland, approached the young girl and lured her away from the bus stop. He took her towards the Willamette River under the St. John's Bridge in the nearby Cathedral Park neighborhood. The area was secluded, and Thelma became uneasy. Leland threw her to the ground and attempted to rape her. She managed to talk her way out of it, explaining that she was a virgin, but he didn't let her go. Instead, the two remained under the bridge the entire night. The next morning, on August 6th, while Morris was still asleep, she began screaming for help when she noticed some workers who were switching train cars at the nearby train yard. The men didn't hear her, but her screams woke Morris. Leland struck her in the head with a steel bar multiple times, then he took out a knife and repeatedly stabbed her. Thelma laid helplessly in the brush, bleeding out. Morris sat down and lit a cigarette, watching her die. He buried her body in a shallow grave under a pile of driftwood, wiped his fingerprints off of her lunch pail, tossed the steel bar and knife into the river, and then gathered up his cigarette butts in an attempt to cover up the crime scene. Just five days later, he was arrested for stealing a car by Portland police. While at the police station, seemingly out of nowhere, Leland asked to speak with the homicide detective and subsequently confessed to the murder and the kidnapping. He even offered to take detectives to the scene of the crime and show them where he had buried the body. On August 19th, he was indicted on charges of first-degree murder. He pled not guilty by reason of insanity, but was quickly convicted of murder and sentenced to death. Morris Leland was executed on July 9th, 1953. Thelma Taylor was buried in the Columbia Cemetery in Portland. The site of her murder under the St. John's Bridge has since been turned into Cathedral Park, which is now considered one of the more haunted locations in Portland. Locals claim that on warm summer nights, you can hear Taylor's tortured screams in the breeze. In 2013, a Portland diner owner told the local news who was doing a special on the murder, quote, I've been down there at night and heard her scream, help me, help me, somebody help me. These screams are sometimes so loud and terrifying that police have been called to investigate as they believe someone is in danger. When the police arrive and search under the bridge, nobody is there. I'm Jesse Wilkins, and this is Hometown Ghost Stories, Portland, Oregon.
going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome into Hometown Ghost Stories, episode number 45. That is Portland, Oregon. I'm Jesse Wilkins. I'm joined here by Rob Coakley. What's up, Rob? You know, every Tuesday morning, I wake up and I just like pray to any God that will listen that this Tuesday night is the night that Dave gets shanghaied live on stream. <laughs> just you see the trap door. Yeah. Boom. He just falls right through. Gone. Never to be seen again. We're also joined by the recently Shanghai'd, Shanghai'd Dave Wilkins. What's up, Dave? What's going on? It's good to be here. I'm glad that I haven't been Shanghai'd as of yet. Yet. Yeah, yes. so this is basically the, the Shanghai'ing part two. We had Shanghai'ing in Savannah, and we have a very elaborate system of Shanghai'ing here uh, in Portland. And uh, this one, I mean, I, I think we get to the tunnels a little bit later, but the this one, the system was already in place, so it seemed like it was kind of kind of inevitable as we talked about so uh we are live here on youtube facebook and twitch i want to thank everyone who's hanging out in the live stream i want to thank uh posi for the sub and we got another sub as well i don't remember who it was but thank you guys for hanging out and everybody else is in live chat thank you so much if you guys want to be a part of the live stream of the episodes we do every single tuesday uh just join us on facebook youtube or twitch and um come on in leave some comments in the uh in the chat join in call me out when i misspell saloon in the episode in my defense the word should have two L's. It looks so, so much cooler with two L's that, than two O's. That's your defense? Also, <laughs> it was a very, very busy week, and I literally did this entire episode today. So You know, you know it takes <laughs> less time to, to spell fewer L's in a word, right? Yeah, but it's more yeah. fun to, to hit it twice. Double it's tap e- the L, double tap the O. It's a great time. Have you tried it? It's easier to take an L now. How do you spell balloon? Does balloon have two L's? Balloon yes. does have two L's. That's probably oh, okay. that's what it. confused you. Yeah. Jesse's often confused and distracted by balloons. No S's, though. <laughs> You gotta roll the L, Dave, um, with your you expertise. I don't think you roll L's. <laughs> Saroon. Saroon. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, yeah, so that, that's Portland. A lot of haunted locations in Portland. I only covered a couple of them. Uh, there are a few more. I don't know if we'll do a Portland part two, but it definitely looks like a cool city to, to visit. A lot of really cool bars, breweries. Um, it actually it's reminds me balloons. of them. Yeah, they got plenty of balloons. <laughs> and, uh, and saloons. So, um, and it's, it's still got like some of those old timey vibes with a lot of these bars. There's a lot of them that still apparently survive and they still have like the, like the, the white Eagle itself. If you go upstairs, it, it still looks like it has like, you know, the same structure as when it was run as a brothel as well, but now they've turned it into a hotel. So I believe you can actually still rent rooms there and stay there. I'm a little um, taken aback. I don't really understand why they changed the name from the B bar to the White Eagle Saloon. It really just rolled off the tongue. Yeah, I think it was Soboleski, which is a fun one to say. But yeah, I could see why. So they changed it over to the White Eagle. Apparently, I didn't even look at the Polish flag. Does the Polish flag have a, have a White Eagle in it? Well, let's hope so because you said so in the episode. So <laughs> yeah, let's see how many things I'm wrong about. Um, I like how they they simplified the uh, spelling and you still screwed it up. Yeah, it looks like, I mean, there's, there used to be. So it looks like it's just red and white now, real basic looking flag, but there are versions of it. I'll I'll pull it up on the screen. Um, There are versions of it that have a white eagle wearing a crown. Very cool. Ah. Yeah, look at this. Look at this guy. Yeah, so there's version. I mean, this is just, that's not very exciting at all. Just a red and white bar, but, you know, it's a flag. But yeah, so they changed it to the white eagle and, um, and I, I feel like that was a pretty good name change. It did, it did end up changing names a few times after. I don't know if they ever went to 
back to the B. Sobolewski um, name, but they changed it a few times and then just changed it back to White Eagle. But I think we start with that location. That one, uh, it has a few interesting ones, a few of the traditional haunts. I think actually the last three episodes that I've done, there's been a the silhouette of a woman peering out of the second window, <laughs> second story window. So whatever I cover next, it's not going to have that one. I can't, I can't deal with it anymore. Uh, but it's consistent. But this one followed him around from window to window, which was kind of cool. So as he worked his way around to the back of the building, um, the, the silhouette of the woman, like it was, it was like just following him along, staring at him out each one of these windows. So that's a little bit different um, and, and kind of cool. So there's that one. And then there's two ghosts named Sam that we covered one that we'll get into in a little bit. That was in the tunnels. And then one of them was Sam that lived at this bar. And I tried to get a a photo of the room, Sam's room, because on the door, it actually still has his name. I don't know if they, they maybe they painted it on later as kind of a tribute to the, the spirit of Sam, but this one is still says Sam right on his room. So um, then I think they might also have Rose's room who apparently got murdered inside the building, according to a few news reports that I got. Um, so very haunted building. Yeah. This is the building where the person got pushed down the stairs in the basement. Yeah. One of the waitresses had gotten shoved down. Yep. So I got a ghost story right here, uh, that somebody had posted on Reddit, um, that they have a friend who works at this saloon that had a couple of different ghost stories. So they said that, um, there are a couple of rules about closing up, and one of the more important ones is that you never, ever turn off the basement lights. He said strange things happen when the lights are left off for the night, like coffee cups being pushed off counters and various other messes showing up the next morning after the place has been locked up. However, uh, things still occur when the lights are on. He goes on and says, my buddy was in the back kitchen cleaning dishes when he heard someone coming up the stairs from the basement. The shop was closed and he and his girlfriend were the only people that were there. So he assumed it was her. He continued to have a one-way conversation with this person walking up uh, the stairs until he heard the door open and his girlfriend come in from taking out the trash. He asked her if she had been downstairs yet, and she replied she had only been outside. They searched the place but couldn't find another person. Then he goes on and says the most intense uh, was was one night when my friend's cousin was with them. A couple days before, they had added some sort of Native American charm to ward off bad spirits. As my friend's cousin and his girlfriend were going downstairs to the basement, they heard a girl scream, and they were pushed back onto the stairs. They didn't stick around too long. So, which stairs were those? Basement. Did it say? Oh, so it was the basement stairs again. Yeah. Okay. Huh. So that is uh, multiple reports of people getting pushed onto the basement stairs or down the basement stairs. Mm. I do like when there's consistency. This is also there. the one that the spirits flush the toilets. It's another toilet ghost. Usually Dave covers all the toilet ghosts. I do. Listen, in defense of the toilet ghost, at least they're like actually flushing it. There's so many people that are alive that just refuse because mm. they're disgusting pigs. Yeah. They also so, blame mentality is I'll flush when I'm dead. <laughs> <laughs> they also blame uh Sam's ghost for clogging the toilets. I left that out of the episode because it was kind of gross. But here we are now <laughs> talking about it. Um, it wasn't me, it was the ghost. <laughs> I'm gonna say that it was somebody else. That sounds like an excuse. That sounds like an excuse my kids would make. (laughs) I think it was probably a ghost that clogged the toilet. (laughs) Um, What if that's your penance when you die? You're just, you habitually don't flush the toilet. So your purgatory is you have to go around and flush like 1 million toilets before you're allowed to pass through purgatory. (laughs) quite the task but this one this one's a little bit uh a little bit different because apparently it's not just one toilet it goes around and it flushes like two of them so um 
I don't know, that's pretty much all I got on that one. But that was uh that was a reoccurring story. And that is Jessica that, Lamelli says ghost dookie, but I want to correct her. It would be a spooky dookie. Oh man. Mm. I'm gonna go ahead and say you didn't need to do that, Dave. Yeah. So do do, just while we're in the middle of Dave telling a bad joke, uh, just to transition out of that. I've actually completed the bad joke. We're not in the middle of it. <laughs> I was hoping there was more. Um, let's give me an award for doing this show with a slightly cracked rib um, and persevering. So kudos yeah. to me. Kudos somehow, to me. Somehow we persevered in that football game against 11-year-olds. Yes. And we, uh, Rob, Rob still managed to crack a rib during this uh Football game shows how athletic we are. I yeah. also, shocker, almost separated my shoulder. My, my, it's better now, but yesterday I, I got I tried to go out and throw the football around with my son, and yeah, we suffered serious injuries in this football game, and you know we still made it here for this episode. That shows the dedication that we have to hometown ghost stories. Dave is fine. These injuries because all the eleven year olds just thought that he was on their team the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we did play adults versus children because you know. <laughs> We're going to take the time to play football. We're at least going to go out there and win the game. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but we persevered, and here we are. Yes. Um. So, the the tavern is pretty exciting. the The ghost in the window. It's going to be super common throughout, right? Because it, just the way the houses were built then, taverns were built then, the amount of staring that these people probably did in their real life out of these windows like it's part it's probably just part of the residual haunting situation could be but with this one that one the fact that it followed him from like window to window makes it different and that makes me think that it wasn't just a residual kind of ghost looking out window situation which is right i mean you could absolutely get that you know this is before the days of television and things like that so obviously you know you might just stand and look out the window for entertainment who knows yeah, um, no television, like you said. And you're just looking at, it's people watching, which is a f- great activity to do. I used to love to go and people watch at, we all used to work at a cell phone kiosk in our younger days, and the people watching within a mall was better than like almost any activity. Well, you got to think it's, it's going to be even better if you're at a place like a saloon, you know, right. watching all the drunk people stagger outside and right. it's a brothel too and all sorts of, and you watch people get in Shanghai through the tunnels. <laughs> it's yes, time. yes, yeah. Who knows? So there's that, that. and then, then go ahead. That just that city, the way it was built with those tunnels. Um, when we get to it, but when we talked about Savannah, I think I might have brought up Portland and how, like, of all the places, Portland's like the one known you for Shanghaiing. You did bring it up. Yeah, there's that uh, San Francisco, pretty close by. Uh, they also did a lot of Shanghai. So a lot of the uh, cartoonish kind of pictures that I got were actually about the um, San Francisco Shanghai, which is um, not too far. But yeah, so th- I think those are like the three main cities was Portland, San Francisco, Savannah. And um, that was uh, that was pretty much the case. And then the rules were once you get Shanghai, once they get you on the boat, um, I think legally... Well, I mean, it's illegal, obviously, to kidnap people, but they would take them like 50 miles out to sea. And mm-hmm. then <clears throat> at that point, we took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. 
We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Then it's legal. If If there's a stowaway, they can throw them overboard. And but ah. but what they would do is they'd bring you up on board and they'd present you with a contract, be like, hi, you work for us, here's your contract, sign this. And people would be like, screw that, I'm not signing that. We're like, okay, cool. We're, we happen to be 50 miles at sea and you now qualify as a stowaway. So either sign it or we're going to throw you overboard. And what then, do they need the contract for at that point? It just seems know. like, number one, a contract signed under duress is not going to hold up in court if it ever gets to that point. And number two, like you already got him on the boat. You already did the kidnapping. Was like, where's he going to go? Right. You don't know what's well, I think, I, think at that, I think at that point, it's, I mean, maybe there's, there had to have been a reason that they did it, but it's more about presenting them with their options. Like, hi, you're going to work here and you're going to do a good job um, because if not, then we're going to throw you overboard because now you're legally qualified as a stowaway. How dare you stowaway on our ship like this? <laughs> so um, I think that was kind of the case. But before we jump all, all Dude, of the tunnels and everything. Let's real, real quick. Is that, is it still a law like that? Is it still legally binding if you're 50 miles off the ocean or is that gone away? It probably has something to do with international waters where laws get a little murky, if you will. So it might um, still I, be legal. I don't think, I don't think you can go out on like a cruise ship and then just wreak havoc once you hit 50 miles. <laughs> <laughs> no, but but if, you're, if you're on like your own boat, maybe. I'm not sure. Do. I mean, there, there's definitely international well, what, waters. There's definitely in uh, a gray area. Well, I, don't I just want to know too what, much about the laws. Follow but. up. What are you doing Saturday, Dave? I'm going to take a little fishing expedition. <laughs> um, so let's talk about this case. So there was the, uh, the Thelma um, murder case. This guy was a real piece of shit. Um, yeah. Yeah. Not a nice guy. Met her at a bus stop. Brought her out. Murdered her the next morning. Um, it's a real weird case, though, because he didn't do what he set out to do, but then he still murders her and then confesses where it sounds like they didn't even like have any suspicion of him committing that crime. He was just there for Grand right, Theft Auto. Well, it was, yeah, it was like a week after. So she did get reported missing, but uh, they obviously hadn't found the body yet. So... They, they probably just, pres- you know, had her up as a missing person or whatever. So I, I don't think that they had really started compiling suspects in this case yet because they didn't even know it was a murder yet. And then he just up and up and confessed to the crime. Yeah, he's like, I want to see a uh, homicide detective. And they brought him in and he did that. And then <clears throat> brought him to the scene of the crime, pointed out where the body was and everything. He claimed that she went with him uh, consensually. But then, I mean what's the difference? I mean, you didn't murder her consensually. So, uh, that kind of goes out the window. And, uh, but he did try to, he, I I just don't understand. Cause he tried to like cover up the scene of the crime. Maybe there was a guilt factor. Mm. Maybe he thought it would work for his insanity plea. Cause he did try to, uh, plead innocent on the grounds of insanity, but there was, apparently it was a real quick conviction like that. Nah, bro, you're not insane. You're just an asshole. And they convicted of murder. I do find it weird to, to, admit to a crime and then plead insanity. You know, it's like, well, if you didn't want to do the time, why did you come out of nowhere and admit to it? He didn't strike me as a bright fellow. No. He wasn't very That's cunning right. in his strategy here. 
You're right. So what, what I find interesting is like usually in a situation like that, if the guy admitted to the murder and confessed, he wouldn't get death, like the, the death penalty, but they still gave it to him in this situation. But it could have been because it was at an earlier time too. They did, yeah. This is like in the 40s, um, and I think he got put to death in the 50s. So uh, Cody asks, why didn't she try to get away when, she, when he was sleeping? Uh, I don't know why. I don't know. So maybe she didn't feel like she could or whatever, but all I know is the next morning when she woke up or when, when they woke up, I don't think she slept much. Uh, she saw some workers working on the railroad. It looks like from the, now I don't know if the railroad was up on the bridge at the time or what was there and what changed over time. I know it was, it was much more of like a dense um, foresty kind of area before they cleared it out and made the park. So I know like it, there was a lot of brush and a lot of um, bushes and trees and stuff. It wasn't what it looks like today, but I guess she saw some people working on the railroad. I don't know if it was way up on the bridge or whatever, but she started screaming to them and that ended up actually waking him up and um, he caught her and basically just killed her right away. Pretty, uh, pretty sad, pretty awful story. And um, yeah, but so they think it's her ghost now that haunts that area. And there has been much more than screams that are reported, but the screams are frequent. Like they, people hear it all the time and um, to a point where it gets so crazy and the screams are so loud and so concerning that people call the police and they think someone's getting attacked and uh, the police have received multiple calls um, and then they have to go out there and see what's going on. And sure enough, nobody's there. So Soph brings up a good point on that too. She says it's a scary place to be if you need to yell for help and the community assumes you're a ghost. Exactly. Uh, That is like terrifying. Can you imagine like, you're getting attacked, and everyone's like, "Oh, just that ghost again!" Just the ghost again. That it's just goes. Everyone film. Yeah, yeah camera the cameras out. Yeah. yeah. So that's yeah, that's uh, the girl who cried ghost situation. There, not not good, not good. So that's a sad story, and then a pretty freaky one. And that is, um, do they think anything else is haunting? Because they talk about how haunted it is. Do they think anything else could be haunting there, or they're just not sure? In Cathedral Park, that's the only thing that I could find on it. Um, I don't know if there's other reports on stuff in the area. It's obviously a pretty big area, so um, I'm not too sure. But that that one was one that had popped up, and there was just there was many cases of people reporting that they heard screams. You had an actual interview with a guy who owned a diner, and he confirmed the reports. And yeah, so that's Cathedral Park. And then we have the uh, we have the tunnels. So the Shanghai tunnels. We we tunnels touched on them, um, supposed to be very haunted. A lot of this can't be proven, but it seems to be widely accepted as truth that people were absolutely getting shanghaied through there. So skeptics will say the trap doors were built just to transport cargo in and out. This is why the tunnels were originally built anyways, was to transport cargo in and out of the city. Um, a lot of it came from the Chinatown district but it connected all throughout i pulled up a map of all the different connections that the tunnels had and everything so um just because the um tunnels weren't built specifically for the shanghai trade industry doesn't mean they weren't used for it mm-hmm. right so Can i you imagine if that, that's why they were built that would right be, yeah that yeah would be pretty wild but <laughs> like know. we need to build 13 buildings over here we need to get some tunnels to shanghai some people and we need a bar <laughs> in the corner over there yeah but that's, well, the, that's like, the basis they use to de- quote unquote debunk it you know, they say, oh, oh, there's nothing that ties. it was a very, yeah, it's a very weak debunking. I mean, did anybody get prosecuted for 
Shanghaiing people? No. Did these bar owners get caught? No. But at the same time, it's like you can't conf- you can't confirm that it didn't happen either. So I don't know. There, it's it's weird. And there and then there's like legitimate like jail cells that were constructed that are still there. You still see the barred windows and everything. So it's like if it, mm-hmm. maybe a bar was locking up some of the cargo that they stored down in the tunnels, but it just it seems like it's a, a bit much debunking because there are two two parts of this. Number one is Shanghaiing was actually a thing that was documented and happening. Oh yeah. Number two is the tunnels existed. The debunking people are just saying that um, this tunnels weren't you. The tunnels can't be connected to the Shanghai. It's like, well, why would so it be? what? Like, it's what? Like, perfect what? for it? There's exactly. A port, there's a port right there. These things already lead there. They're coming from bars. Like this was a, a common practice at the time. People are getting anyway. So uh, I so, knew there was a reason we had Angry Dave tonight. And then I see him <laughs> take a shot of whiskey. And- <laughs> this is water. <laughs> Uh, so the, uh, yeah, you, you had the trapdoor situations. You had legitimate jail cells. So uh, again, they estimate between two and 3,000 people a year at like the height of it. And it lasted, I mean, the tunnels are 150 years old. It lasted for a while. So um, it, it also went through prohibition, through prohibition. I don't know if they were still Shanghaiing people, but all of a sudden they're smuggling alcohol and drugs in and out of these things. You had an entire like underground prostitution ring that basically opened up and um, when the men were getting more difficult to kidnap. They started kidnapping women and it got crazy. So, so a lot of people didn't survive. And the reason why would be um, if they couldn't just get someone who was drunk enough, they would drug them, right. Give them some sort of slip them something. I don't know if it was like roofies or, or what at the time, but they would slip them something, some kind of drugs. These people would pass out. And a lot of times they would just overdose and, uh, and they would that. die in the tunnels. Yeah. So, there was that. And then there was also people would fight back. And then another thing, I showed a picture of this in the, uh, in the video, but I didn't explain it. There was a whole bin of shoes. And one of the things that they would do is they would actually take the shoes off of these people and they would just surround, they would just smash broke. There'd be smash broken glass all throughout the tunnel. So if they did try to escape, they would have a hard time walking through broken glass. And then if they, you know, if they did make it out, then they'd be able to follow the trail of blood and go find the bleeding, drunks, drugged up guy that's staggering through the alleyway or something, just drag him right back down. And so you still have all of those shoes collected down there. And the guy that collected them, he was he found them throughout uh, these different cells, buried in the dirt, and then put them all inside of that little bin there. So it wasn't like some psychopath's trophy collection at the time. It's just that's that psychopath's crazy. trophy collection now. Yeah, it is crazy. And also, if you're if you're expecting these guys to work on your ship and be productive, maybe slicing their feet up first thing, probably not. Bro, they saw Die Hard. They know it's possible, right? It is possible. If John McClane's running around, uh, that's John McClane, though. He's super, super, super tough. That is true. He is super tough. You ain't Shanghai and John McClane. Nobody Shanghai is John McClane. (laughs) That's got to go on a shirt, right? <laughs> <laughs> New merch Unless you've seen this it. episode, it makes zero sense. <laughs> <laughs> but if I saw that shirt, I'd buy it. We, just, could, we could be on that poorly translated shirts Twitter. Yeah, like, yes. It's like That's my great, favorite great Twitter, Twitter account Twitter. of all time. What is the origin of that website now that you bring it up and we should probably discuss it? Is it just like the misprints from like the... Is it like just some kind of an error or like people? I actually- think it I think it was like shirts that people Do you want to tell about what you're talking about before we get too far into this conversation? Sure. Listeners are like, what on earth are they talking about? Sure. So on Twitter, 
Uh, I'm sure it's some other places too. There's a there's a Twitter account. It's at Translated Tees, and they just post pictures of of shirts that are like misspelled or like literally make no sense. Yeah, um, it seems like the whole sentences get like completely jumbled up. Yeah, and it, it just looks like shirts that people try to make, and um, it's entertaining. It's just it's so hard to. Yeah, you can't even like say them out loud for the most part because um just because of how misspelled they are you have to visually see ah uh, yes see pops wants a, a white eagle saloon shirt spelled with two l's because that's the better <laughs> that is that is the superior spelling of saloon and um you know we're we're trendsetters here and and if you make that shirt it can be on poorly translated tees see that yes it's so all worked out we tie it all in now get Shanghai, Dave, so that everything. <laughs> so, so, two, so two shirt ideas. Nobody Shanghai's John McClane, and then also I, um, the White Eagle Saloon with two L's. That's going to be our second shirt. And then, got, and then a new, please, new merch line coming up. Please Shanghai, Dave, with his with his address on the back. <laughs> <laughs> and what times he's usually home, <laughs> and which nights he's drinking whiskey. <laughs> Yeah, just the which whole is all of them. Yeah. Anyways, uh, <laughs> let's let's talk about the whistling ghost because that story, more than in terms of the ghost, really caught my attention. Because I feel like if you were in an underground tunnel and you just heard whistling that you couldn't find, that would be like complete nightmare fuel. Yeah, so I only touched on a few, and there's a lot of them, and that was one of them. That was, I think, during like a tour where somebody was down there exploring the tunnels, and um, he and I'm pretty sure everybody else heard this whistling, and it sounded like a child whistling, mm-hmm. and um, it just kept getting closer and closer, and then eventually this guy got shoved, and um, and everybody heard it, and then a few people like backed out of the tour at that point. They're like, this is getting too crazy, and there, there are actually so many ghost stories um, in these tunnels, I only touched on a few of them. A bunch of like the big, big name TV shows have been down there, and um, there's a ton of content on it. So if you want to look into the Shanghai tunnels, like paranormal investigation side of it, you seem to get a different ghost story every single time. Um, so you have another ghost named Sam. We touched on um, Sam from the White Eagle Saloon, and then there's also Sam down in these tunnels, which is uh, believed to be the ghost of an Asian man, which makes sense. I mean, it's below Chinatown, um, at least this part is, anyways. But he's been spotted very frequently and he's just seems to be wandering nonstop, but I guess he'll also like play pranks on you. So every ghost in Portland named Sam is apparently a little bit of a prankster. So that's just what they got going on there. Um, and then you have the ghost of a blonde woman. Um, he was seen on one of these shows. I don't remember which one it was. Um, maybe like destination fear or something like that, but th- there was um, one of these shows they had seen a full body apparition of a, a blonde woman which he mistaked for like a person on the crew. And then they realized that the person on the crew was somewhere else. Anyways, uh, they had a psychic that came in and the psychic had confirmed that uh, there was the soul of like a blonde woman who had been murdered in the tunnels that is still there or something. So seemed to little, uh, put a little bit of credibility to the uh, blonde woman sighting. There's been other ones. There's been a bunch of pictures. I didn't want to um, rip those and post those without permission, but there's been a bunch of, pictures and there's like two of them in particular that were really creepy so some pretty cool uh pretty cool ghost settings down there and again i'm just scratching the surface on the ghost stories down there so there is a ton of them ton of them 
what else did you find? I mean, do you fear? Do you any remember any off the top of your words? I'm going to use words one day, and I'm not going to mess them up. And I'm going to talk in complete sentences. Jesse, uh, those were the ones that I uh, I just rallied <laughs> off the ones that I knew about. Um, but like I said, like when I was watching these shows, they're they're talking about all these other ones that they've also. Uh, heard about and seen and um, you know the ghosts of uh, what they think is children that will like tug at your clothes but then they also think maybe it's like a some kind of a desperate soul like hey please help me you know the ghost of someone that has been trapped down there against their uh, against their will Mm. yeah I mean I can't even imagine how many like different spirits are down in these tunnels with all the things that supposedly happen I mean I believe they happened it just seems it seems too likely more, you know what I mean? More than not that this is the situations that were going on. And this is a place where people would have, you know, remembered it was like one of the worst times of their life. Matt says that the uh, blonde woman was actually Owen Wilson and Papa Squatch comes and says the blonde, <laughs> that ghost doesn't say boo. It says, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, so Portland is pretty interesting. This is not even ghost related. One of the cities in the country that I haven't been to that I would like to visit, but if we could tie in some sort of ghost hunting experience for me, it would be the tunnels as terrified as I am of these tunnels. Yeah. You can still go down there. I mean, like it's, uh, they do tours and stuff like that and they've got, um, uh, a whole museum on them and everything. So wait a minute. Were these the tunnels from the movie Malignant, Dave? Did that take place in Portland? Did it? Remember they were they were in the underground tunnels in that movie? Mm. Because if so, then I never want to go to Portland. <laughs> I, I thought you liked life. that movie. Oh, my God. The worst <laughs> movie of all time. Uh, I don't know. I can look it up real quick. Let's see. Mm. Go ahead, Jesse. Sorry. I was, I was having flashbacks of that terrible movie. I actually lost my train of thought. I was looking up more haunted locations in Portland. Number one on the list. That's, this doesn't mean it's the most haunted in Portland, but I think it's alphabetical. There is a haunted Burger King. So you have that. Um, the is there a, you can't, you can't skirt. I, I don't know this website. It just has the, the locations. They're still doing research on it. So the <laughs> Burger King haunted confirmed next. Yeah. Malign- Malignant takes place in Seattle. So not too uh-huh. far. Okay. Well, I don't think it's close enough for them to end up in the tunnels of Portland, Oregon. You don't know. I don't think so. I don't we know. Don't, we don't like the rules. Surmising. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, I had to um, so uh, Roseland Theater is in a place is a place in Portland that is uh, pretty infamously haunted. So one of the theater's former promoters uh, went missing in the late '80s. His body was believed to have been dumped in the Willamette River, tied down by microphone stands. The ghost of Tim Moreau still reportedly haunts this venue, angry at the theater's former owner who allegedly ran a counterfeiting scam. An altercation between Moreau and Larry Hurwitz led to the 21-year-old publicist's, publicist's untimely demise. That was before the venue we know now as the Roseland was called Starry Nights and much more, or much before the current management team bought the place. And apparently the guy's ghost still haunts that place, which is pretty interesting. That is pretty cool. Yeah, there's a there's a whole bunch of them. Okay, I, I do remember the point I was going to bring up was that um, you can still tour the tunnels and there's uh the the museum as well. And the the guy who runs the museum, he's not just like some quack. He's uh he he teaches at um I believe the 
uh, one of the universities in the area about, he teaches the history of the Shanghai tunnels at the university. So if the university thinks he's credible enough to bring him on as a professor, then obviously the, it, it tends to lend some credibility towards the fact that these tunnels were actually used. Um, and it's accepted as like historical fact that they, that people were getting Shanghai through here. It was it two or 3000? That seems like that estimate is hard to, it seems like it may have been pulled out of nowhere. I don't know how you put a confirmed number on it, but, um, you know, I'll leave it to the experts to figure that out. Yeah. I mean, I guess we would have to know how long it was going on for before we could say yes or no to the Shanghaiing of two to 3000 people. Cause that number does seem astronomical, but you know, a couple hundred at least would probably make sense. I just don't know how we come up with any number whatsoever in figuring that out. If there's like no documented evidence of, you know, who actually got Shanghai and who was doing it. I don't know. I don't know how they can. So I think that they can probably take, make an educated guess based on people that went missing during that time frame and how many of them were like able-bodied men uh, and, and, you know, women. That's a good point. And then, and then it's like how many boats were coming in and out, how many crews were getting depleted at the time. I I guess there is data that you can dip into because, you know, like, like, how many people would a captain have to have on his boat to set back out, depending on the size of his boat. And um, yeah, I, I'm sure there's ways that you can figure out a, a generalized number of it. So, um, well, that's, if it was all real, according to Dave, there was no Shanghai and going on. That's not what I said. No, Dave, I str- said Dave, that. Dave strongly defended it. He got mad at the people that tried to debunk no, it. I was just trying to get angry Dave to come out again, to be honest. Sometimes every now and then I try I, to suppress angry Dave. So, Cool little fun fact in the chat. J.K. Rowling got the idea for the from the Harry Potter Harry Potter tunnels and Aragorn. I, I don't think you can just move on from that word. I think it's acromantulas. Yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm not remember gonna say Dave, say that word for us. Acromantulas. I, yeah, Jesse got it. Yeah, with two L's. <laughs> <laughs> got to roll it right. From the times Morgan. So that is actually a really cool fact. Uh, and she said, uh, <laughs> then she said that was a total BS statement. Oh my God, that. Stephanie. <laughs> then I read it and then you make us look foolish. Cancel the podcast. <laughs> I've been waiting for a reason. Right. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. All right. So, um, so yeah, you don't, you don't think that we're going to go back to Portland. I, I legitimately didn't get a chance to look at other stuff. You think that this might be a one and done city? Uh, as I just flipped through the list, I mean, now that we have a haunted Burger King to talk about, I do want to find out about that. So, get ready for the Burger King episode; it's coming. Uh, as I flip through, there are there, there's like thirty other haunted locations, so it might be a city we have to go back to eventually. No, I, I, there might be a hundred, might be a hundred haunted locations here. So, I don't think we can good. move on from Portland that fast. So, it's a good thing. Um, so, I think we, uh, I think we do revisit it in time. Yes. Um, anything else you wanted to hit on from? the stuff we did cover. I think that's pretty much it. I think, uh, I think it's good. We got, we got a, a few new variations of, uh, of ghost activity and it's good to, you know, once again, have something a little bit different. And, um, yeah, that's Portland, Oregon. A lot of fun. Cool. It was Dave, anything you wanted to add on Portland? No, I added everything I wanted. Very cool. Um, we got a very nice little comment here from Facebook from Brian. says, new fan here. Never listened to podcasts, but started a month ago, and you guys are one of the two I listen to. Haunted Road is the other one, but you guys make me laugh out loud many times. Good. 
well, hopefully you'll enjoy the two-man show after Dave gets Shanghai'd at some point. Eventually. Yeah. I'll find a way. If you guys send me the link, as long as I have my cell phone, <laughs> I can jump in the stream from uh, my app. From oh, you'll, be, you'll be jumping in the stream, all right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Cordy informs us that, that there is one L in Portland, and I am here to tell you that you're wrong. Uh, two L's in Portland, and you roll the L's. There's so many, many L's in Jesse's hands tonight. <laughs> um, yes, indeed. All right. I want to thank our patrons. Our VIPs are Stephen V and Lisa J. We also have Matthew T, Sydney B, Mark M, Papa Squatch, uh, Mike B, Brandon W, Sarah W, Soph Hooper, Jake V, Stephanie A, Seth Dave Sucks W, Kathy McSlugs, and Sarah Dave Loves Bacon R. Thank you guys so much. If you want to get your name in the credits, uh, for as little as $3 a month, you can also be a part of patreon and join yes. the show be part of the credits did i miss anybody I, we got two this week and i feel like i only read out one new name we got cody and matthew this week. yes cody cody you made it into the opening story as well oh look at that i used your name for the opening story yeah, I, guess so. I think you might have left cody's name off the uh, graphic at the beginning i don't i just don't see okay well thank you cody i, I he doesn't pop up on the uh on the list but we killed you so that's why what do you want? Something, right? <laughs> do you want your name on the screen, or do you want to be dead in the opening episode, in the opening story? I mean, you just, can't have everything. Uh, you guys might get a kick out of this. I don't know if you saw this message on uh, Facebook that we got earlier today, but you know how I'm sort of a, a pronunciation snob. Mm-hmm. Um, so get this. This is from Beth. She goes, "Okay, I just listened to the Haunted Hotels uh, of the North. Loved it, uh, as that's where I'm from. But I have never heard somebody butcher." Kuas so bad before, LOL is pronounced, and then she corrected me that it's pronounced Koas, and I was pronouncing it Kuas. Uh, but she did want to say that she really loves the show. Did and, you, uh, in the like intro, that. I just went straight up Koos. Koos. Well, so when I was looking up the pronunciation of it, I was like, how do you pronounce this? Um, the main thing was like, it is not pronounced. They Whoever wrote this thing was like, it is not pronounced Koos County. Do not pronounce it that way. It's two syllables. So I guessed, and I guessed wrong. Well, I knew I knew I was probably doing it wrong because it has like the two little dots above the O. What do you call mm. that? I don't know. Salamanders. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, we are experts on grammar here at Hometown Ghost <laughs> Stories. Um, I never even try to pronounce it because I just know how people are. They like to yell at us about that. It's like the number one thing that people will yell at you about is yeah, pronouncing when, stuff. Yeah, when I want to get all fun and add a little L into saloon. Yeah. So I wanted to have a little fun with the spelling. Yes. Um, but yeah, the, the it's funny because we're from Massachusetts where we don't pronounce anything as it's spelled. So I guess we... Uh, but we'll still let people know when they're pronouncing Worcester incorrectly. Worcester. Yeah. Yep. Anyways. Okay. So this Friday we're dropping our horror movie review on Choose or Die. And, and then uh, where are we going on Tuesday? Next Tuesday, we are going back to Chicago, and we will be covering one of the most haunted hotels in the country. Very good. So <laughs> we, we finally followed up and did a part two of one of the – every episode, we're like, oh, yeah, we'll be back for part two. We got a, we got a part two coming. It's good. Well, I like not doing them back to back to back because, like, if you did Chicago, you could do, like, probably two months straight of Chicago. So taking a little break, and I would have liked a little more space, but again, I told this last week, I had a coworker go to Chicago, get me a bunch of um, videos of the place, and 
there's some stories involved. So it just felt like the right the right way to go with this one. Awesome. Yeah, I'm excited for that one. And then yeah. And then we're gonna I don't know if we're going back to back on movie reviews. I think we are. Then we're gonna hit yeah. the um so we're gonna change up our we're gonna be changing our Patreon around a little bit going forward, but we wanna kind of give our Patreon members a little bit more time with the exclusive content. So we're gonna add work to our plate because that's what we do, because we love all of you guys. And we're gonna do an extra movie review and we're gonna nothing there's not gonna be no change for like the regular pod feed. You're still gonna get side content every Fridays. But we're gonna do an extra one this week so that we can start making it that the Patreons get a week exclusive with the side content every week. So that's the plan. So the next one is uh what is it, the orphan first orphan kill? first kill, yeah. So we'll be dropping that. So the schedule this week, you will get the first movie review like normal. Um choose which is choose or die on Wednesday. That will go live to everybody on Friday. And then on Friday, the patrons will get the extra bonus movie review as well. So sounds like a plan. Yes. All right. Anything else, gentlemen? I feel like Charlie Day in that scene where he's got like all the string and he's <laughs> trying to explain like the thing and he's like hasn't slept in four days trying to explain this Patreon. Thing. Here's what you're going to get. Yeah, here's what you're going to get. <laughs> and I just start shaking vividly like this. Like, yeah. Yeah. No, listen, this is when it gets real crazy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So, uh, review. Do you have any reviews? We got a bunch of five stars in, but they haven't populated for the written part if they've come in yet. So we'll hold off on that till next week. Sounds good. Uh, so if you want to get your reviews right out on the show, then leave us a little five star review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and uh, let us know what you think of the show. Leave a funny comment. We good. We'll read it out. Anything and else, gentlemen? Just the final thing is we will be part of bloody disgusting this week so we uh you'll nothing changes for anybody else but we will be part of the bloody disgusting network so you'll start seeing us pop up on some other stuff here and there i believe sounds good all right gentlemen we'll uh catch you guys on friday for movie reviews thank you guys for tuning in and uh we'll see you next time peace